You know, last week, uh, Miroslav, I'm not even going to try his last name, uh, preached at the 9 a.m. service, and I thought that there was something very deeply significant about what he was teaching, about the authority that we have in Christ. And he talked about having a dream versus a revelation, a dream being, you know, what you, what you dream of, what you, what you want, a revelation being what God wants, what he reveals to you. You know, it's how to receive by faith what God wants for me, not what I want to want from him. Uh, and, and, you know, so many live in frustration. You know, I prayed. I prayed over this thing. I believed nothing happened. Why does that happen? And I, I, I do believe, like he shared with us, that a lot of that is based on, on our dream, not on a revelation. You know, we, we think we want this thing. We pray. We believe. We don't see it happen. And then, then the worst happens. People get angry at God or they begin to blame God like he's done something wrong. You know, we question him. And, you know, we wonder about him being sovereign. What does that mean? Is he mean? Is he capricious like that? And we want to believe that he's sovereign, but, but not to throw our faith overboard. You know, we hear about predestination. And, and we let our misunderstanding of that get in the way of our faith. Because we say, well, whatever, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Okay, that's not in the Bible. Not whatever's going to happen is going to happen. God has determined the end before the beginning, right from the very beginning, from the very beginning, he said to the serpent, his seed, her seed shall, you know, crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And the whole arc of the ages was expressed in that one expression, one, that one verse of scripture. And we're in the middle of that. It has not yet been fulfilled. You understand? We're not at the end of it already. We're in the midst of it. We're in that ark. There is still evil in this world. That is not God's will. It is God's will that all men should be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And he is calling upon us for our faith to be united with his. You know, we're, we're not just sitting back waiting for what he's going to do, but he's calling on us to step forward and to believe him of what he says. You know, we're in a world that's groaning and travailing in pain. And we, the church, we groan and travail with it, desiring what is to come. And we so desire it. You know, a dream is what God can do. A revelation is what God will do. And he encouraged us to wait on God. Now, wait on God doesn't mean sitting back on our lazy boy and waiting for something to happen. Because that's often how it is taken. It is in patient continuance to continue to do the, the word of God, to do the will of God. He has stated already what we can do. There is a covenant in his blood that says that by his stripes we're healed. That by his shed blood, we have that remission of sins. And in those things, 
we can freely minister. We already have his word. We've, you know, there's no waiting for that. That has happened. And then we wait on him while we are doing these things. We, we patiently continue. We continue instant in prayer, it says. When we say in the name of Jesus, we're calling on what he has done. We're not, we're not, you know, punching a, a button or something that's going to make him respond. He has already moved. We are the ones that respond to him in faith. And when we say in the name of Jesus, we're calling on what he has done at the cross, in his resurrection, the new life that we have in Christ. That's what we're calling on when we say in the name of Jesus. That's a revelation that when Pastor Lee shared this, he, he talked about in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, he talked about your, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, uh, and, and Jacob, your fathers. He was, when, when that phrase was made, he was talking about the covenant that God had set with Israel. He wasn't just naming names. He wasn't just saying, this is your family tree. He was calling on the covenant that God had made. And when we say in the name of Jesus Christ, we're calling on the covenant, that new covenant, that covenant of grace, the new covenant in his blood. And there is authority in that. We're not just sitting back. And this is not, definitely not a time to be sitting back. These are crucial times. And then, finally, one thing that Miroslav said that was so rich. God wants to. The leper came to him. He said, Lord, if you will, if you want to, you can make me clean. And you know what Jesus said? I want to. I want to heal you. I want to. Oh, what a Savior. How beautiful he is. How rich it is to walk with him. How, how firm a basis our faith rests upon. It's not just on ideas and, you know, flimsy this or that or what I want. It's, there's a solid foundation that we base our faith upon. It's like, a, it's a rock. So... You know, I was probably supposed to give you the title of this earlier today, but at any rate, it is The Good Treasure of Your Heart. And, um, you know, uh, among other things, we do grief ministry, and we're, we're dealing with things of people's heart. And isn't the heart kind of at the core of, of our life? It's where our manner of life is. You know, in Proverbs 4.23 it says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The things that, that, that proceed from you in your life, they come from the heart. You know, Jesus said that these evil things, let's look at this one, Matthew chapter 15. Yeah. Matthew chapter 15, and in verse 18, 
Jesus is speaking. He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, those things that come out of the heart. But now, look at Matthew chapter 12. And in verse 35, Matthew 12, 35, and this is our text. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Who is the good man? Hmm? Who is the good man? Out of the good treasure of his heart. You know, the lawyer came to Jesus. He said, good master. Jesus said, whoa. Why are you calling me good? There is none good but God. I would say that the good man is Jesus. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart. There was, there was no good man residing in me. Until Jesus came into my heart. All I could do was be against him. All I could do was be a rebel. That was all I was capable of. All I was capable of was sin. But a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, he brings forth good things. Only Jesus can do this. He is the good man. Amen. Before Christ came into my heart, before he came into your heart, the only thing that you could bring forth was by works. And it says in Galatians, the works of the flesh are these. And dare I go through the list? I mean, all sorts of terrible things. You want to work at it? You want to make, you, know, you, want to, you want to get better? You want to change your life? You want to be the kind of person you always dreamed you were going to be and work at it? The works of the flesh are these. Big, terrible list. But the fruit of the Spirit, it's not works, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. And against those things, there is no law. No works can overcome those. Those are fruit that spring forth, and they're fruit of the what? Spirit. They're the fruit of the Spirit. He, Jesus he is the hidden man of the heart. 1 Peter chapter 3. And we'll look at a fair number of scriptures this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 4. says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Which in the sight of God is of great price. Who is the hidden man of the heart? Notice that it says that the hidden man of the heart is not corruptible. Well, I know myself well enough to know that I'm corruptible. You know, me, Evan. I mean, you know that about yourself. The hidden man of the heart that is not corruptible, that's the Holy Spirit. That's Christ in you. Our lives, if they're not lived from that, we're doomed to living in the flesh. And the works of the flesh are, are, are these, right? 
right here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, being born again. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. See, that's the part that's not corruptible. Being born again of incorruptible seed. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Who is that seed? That seed is Christ. Right from the beginning, God said to the serpent, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. Her seed being the promise, the promise of the Messiah that was to come. The one who would finally, at the, at the arc of the ages, when it comes in conclusion, he will make all these things right. Enmity between your seed, Satan, the fallenness of this world, the sin that is in this world, the corruption that is in this world, and her seed, that seed of Christ. You shall bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And there will be an end to all these things. Glory, hallelujah. Oh my gosh. It's just awesome how it all ties together. First John, a couple of pages over. Chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Okay, I'm born again. Now wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I sinned before my feet hit the floor this morning, I think. Right? Uh, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. What's it talking about? For his seed remaineth in him. It's talking about that new creation reality of Christ in us. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. That's that new creation reality. That's where our life is lived for him. All else is sinking sand. All else is but dung, Paul said. You know, it can look so good. And I hate uh, religious put-on, fakery, and I fall into it so easily. And we have, you know, we kind of have a Christian culture, so to speak. And you walk the walk, and you talk the talk, and you, you look the look, and all that sort of thing. And it's so far away from who he is. So far away. We want to be real in him. And the only reality that's in him is him himself in us. Oh, God. In Luke 8.15. But that on good ground. It's talking about the seed that fell on good ground. Are they which in honest and good heart. Having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. You know, it's an honest, it's a sincere and good heart. You know, I find, for me, sincerity um, it's kind of hard to come by. And I, I find it only by leaning into him. Now, maybe you're more of a sincere person than I am, but... That's where I find it, is in him, it, in a sincere and a good, an honest and a good heart. Bring forth fruit with patience. And how I long for that reality in my own heart. Don't you? Don't you long for that reality in the church where we're all 
just strip away everything else. And it's Christ. It's Christ only always. Only always. I long for that. And it's only found in the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, is Jesus in your heart. Galatians 4, 6 says, well, we'll read it. Galatians. We'll put our eyes right on it. Galatians 4 and in verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. So this, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of who? It's the spirit of God's son into your hearts. That's who resides within. Christ is in us. He is in you. When you are born again, it's the spirit of his son in you. Into your hearts, it says. The good treasure of your heart is Christ in you. In Romans chapter 8. And in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. You know, we're talking about the flesh. The body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Beautiful. In verse 2 of chapter 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Which law do you want to live by? Who do you want living through you? I mean, I spent enough time having the old me live through me. And you know, I, I still let him do it. But when, you know, I don't have, how do I say this? Mortify, therefore, it says in Colossians, the members which are here upon earth. Mortify, put to death that old man and reckon myself to be alive unto God. And to reckon isn't, you know, I'm a, the way I know the word reckon is, well, shoot, I reckon. It's kind of like, I guess so. And that's not what the Bible's talking about. When I reckon upon something, it's not even just that I, I agree or that I believe, but that that I stake myself upon that. I reckon upon that. I, uh, you know, when I present a check and I sign my name to it, there's a reckoning that, that, that the funds for that check exist. When I reckon upon him, when I reckon that I'm alive unto God through Christ, I know that the goods are there. You know, it's not just I agree or I, you know, I think or I believe, you know, that's my doctrine. It's life. It's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's life. Colossians 1.27. This has been a lifelong message for me. Well, wrong book. Colossians 1.27. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. So when we walk out of these doors, it's Christ in you. When we come to the altars, if we lay hands on somebody, it's Christ in you. It's Christ in you. We're not trying to figure out what to do, you know, or how to help. It's Christ in you. 
It's not dreams. It's revelation. It's what he has to say. When he wants something, when he says, this is what I want, when we have his word, man, it's done. We just, we just walk in it. You know, Elijah didn't make it up. Dig a trench around that altar. Pour all this water over it. Pour some more. Pour some more. Pour some more. He didn't make that up. He, when he prayed, he said, I want them to know that I've done all these things at your word. We're not posing. We're not acting uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are. And when we have his word, it comes to pass. I've done all these things at your word. Then, you know, boom, there it comes. All that fire comes down. The water's licked up. The stones are licked up. There's nothing left. That is the authority that we have when we have his will, when we have his word. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is, look at Isaiah chapter 63. When it says that we have Christ in us, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This, that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. When we say we have Christ in us, that's who we're talking about. One who is clothed in righteousness. He's glorious. He's mighty to save. I'm not. You're not, but he's mighty to save, and it's Christ in you. And we walk with that authority. When we have Christ in us, we're saying that we are ambassadors for Christ. It says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Not because I put on the, you know, the, the, the proper clothing for an ambassador. You know, an ambassador is going to be a very sharp person. But I'm clothed in his righteousness. It's Christ in me. And I carry him wherever I go. That's how I'm an ambassador for Christ. That's how you're an ambassador for Christ. It's not the old you walking in trying to think of something to say. But it's Christ himself walking in to a situation. You're an ambassador of Christ. It's the life of Christ. It's, you're an ambassador for Christ. You bear his image you represent his ways you with your speaking and your acting with his authority well you know i think it'd be good to look there at second corinthians chapter five that's where it talks about being an ambassador for christ in verse 20 it says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. We pray you in Christ's stead. In other words, we stand in his place, speaking for him. We're an ambassador. We pray you in Christ's stead. We're standing in his place, representing him. That's how we're an ambassador for Christ. Everything that he is. That good treasure that he is. What is he like? He's a, he's a burden bearing 
Savior. He's meek and lowly, it says in Matthew chapter 13. He's loving. He's, he's moved with compassion. Let that spirit of Christ in you move you with compassion. When you're moved with compassion by the spirit of God, there's authority there. I mean, there is authority there. When he's moving on you like that, he's got something for you to do when you're moved with compassion. Let him move you. Then get up and move with it. Go to that person. Go to that situation. And with authority, you can see the glory of God. He's fearless. He's bold. It's Christ in us. He's persevering. He doesn't give up. That's Christ in us. He's faithful and true, the Bible says. He's in us. It's Christ in us. Faithful and true. He is wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption to us. It is Him in us. He's zealous, the Bible says. The Bible calls Him zealous. He actually called himself zealous. That's him in us. That's not me working something up. That's him in us. In Acts 10, I believe we'll close here. Acts 10 and in verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good You hear that? And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And, well, you know, I think I have one more I'm going to close with. And that would be in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and in verse 18. This is what Jesus said. That his ministry on earth was to be. And remember, we stand in his stead. We literally stand in his stead as ambassadors for Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. His spirit is in you. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Meaning, this is still the time and the place that Christ can be accepted. You understand? There will be a time and a place where it's too late. This is that time. And we stand in his stead as ambassadors for Christ. The good man is Christ. Out of the good treasure of your heart, it's Christ in you, brings forth good things. These are the things that he brings forth. I'd like you to stand with me. If you would, please. And agree with me that Christ is in me. He is in me. He is in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. He has filled me with all those treasures of who he is. And I stand in his stead. I'm not just a nobody. I'm not just in the shadows. I'm not hidden. But I am in the light. I shine as a light in this world. I am full of the glory of God because it is Christ in me. Thank you, Lord, for being in me, for filling me.
Glorify yourself through me, Lord. Glorify yourself. Fill and bring it forth. Oh, God, what a joy and a privilege it is to rest upon you and to see what you will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.